thank you, Esther um, and Stephen Sue, for leading us in communion. It's great to be um, here um, this morning, but actually this evening, and we've got um, a number of people here um, joining me this evening as um, we're talking about vision again. So this is our second of two Vision Sundays as we start an academic year. Uh, last week, Esther encouraged us to pause, to breathe, and to move, reflecting on Psalm 23 and what does the rhythm of life look like, especially in this real difficult season that we're in. And let's be honest, 2020 hasn't been a year that any of us expected. Um, Plan A has gone totally out the window. Plan B, C, D has gone out the window. In the last 24 hours, this is Wednesday evening now, Plan E, F, G, H has gone out the window for myself as someone who works within church, within charities across the city. Yet God is constant. He promises to be the same yesterday, today and forever. And sometimes I feel like I have to grasp hold of that again and again. He's firm, he's unchanging. But I'll be honest with you, I've struggled internally. This year has been a really difficult place. I've not been my best at home. I've not been best around friends. I've not been best in this church and what I do with my life. So I'm not speaking from a place of sortedness or even a place of strength, but of vulnerability and a lot of brokenness. I feel like today I'm going to have to speak quite fast um, because I want to bring us on a journey where we've been as church with vision, where we feel as key leaders that we're going. However, my disclaimer at the beginning is I'm not going to give a huge amount of detail. What does things look like? Because as we know, as we look forward, things are changing all the time. But I want to give some big, broad brushstrokes to say, actually, this is a direction. This is a direction where we're going. I think over the last six months, we've discovered a new depth in ourselves of, that we didn't know about ourselves. Whether we have been in complete lockdown, whether we've been out all the time, whatever, we've discovered something internally about ourselves. But tonight, and, uh, and when you ever you're listening to this, I want to encourage us what it looks like together as church as we continue to pursue our overall vision of church, of continually reproducing the life of Jesus. We have four aims to that. To discover, family, serve and transform. I'm not going to go in any depth on those. If you want to go onto our vision page on our website, you can see more depth about our aims of us as a church. Now, over the last three years, we feel God has been calling us on a layer-upon-layer journey of vision. Um, And none of those focuses that we've had each year, that we've shared at this time of year, have had a full stop. They've just been a layer-upon-layer. In 2017-2018, we felt strongly we were called to a year of prayer, building on the verses of 2 Chronicles 7, 13, where it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. The questions we were asking was, how do we create a culture of prayer in our lives, in our church? I know we're still on a vision on this. We're still pressing into that. We have a lot more to do. We feel like we've moved a bit, but nowhere near enough. 
Then in 2018-2019, we felt three words from Isaiah 58. Rebuild, repair, restore. God got our attention with those words. He is still doing that. And I kind of sometimes feel that with that, I've taken two steps forward and one step back. But actually, the journey of vision is not finished. It's another layer where God is saying, I'm continuing to rebuild, repair and restore. Then in 2019-20, we shared some really specific goals. They were looking forward over the next three to five years. These were the things we were saying. They're very specific. We wanted to equip the next generation to lead inside and outside of church. We wanted to invest in our children and young people. We wanted to have a commitment to people's physical, emotional, mental and spiritual well-being. We want to be seeing a community hub established here in Hallfield, being intentional about church planting in local communities, and to see lots of people coming to know and follow Jesus. Now, those kind of things were like, how are you going to achieve that in a year? No, we've always said that as part of a three to five year. It was another layer of where we were building from. It felt huge. But I feel that that vision stays the same, but the strategy often goes on a little bit of a wiggly path. And I think this year has proved it. I take much encouragement, actually, if I look throughout the Bible, God's story has, has uh, to me, sometimes an unreachable vision of seeing the new heavens and new earth. And I kind of think, is that unreachable? And often... There is a roadmap to that, and often there isn't a roadmap that we can see. Yet God journeys with us and with his people in vision. Nikki Gumbel, who developed the Alpha Course, said this, Vision without action is merely a dream, and action without vision is just passing the time. The journey we go on today is just sharing a few more thoughts as we unpack the journey that we're on as church. And I want to start by saying, back in June 2019, um, we had an evening set aside to do one of these prayer walks around our local community. And I arrived here outside of Ebby, and I'll be honest, at 8 o'clock when the prayer walk started, there was nobody here. And I've, I've got to say, I was very disappointed. And then about, I just thought, oh, i better wait, and I started... Sometimes I'm disappointed and get on a little bit of a negative beat myself up journey in my head. Um, and then Rosemary turned up and we said, shall we go for a walk? And so we did. We went into Upper Hallfield, went for a walk, chatting, praying about stuff that we saw, praying about stuff that we knew in that community. And as we turned, um, went through Upper Hallfield and turned back to come down Fieldson Avenue to head back to Ebby, suddenly I felt God like, this doesn't happen every day, felt God say very strongly to me, he wanted to awaken his church and awaken his community. And I spoke this out loud. Often I don't, if I feel something like that, I don't actually speak it out loud. That's right or wrong, don't judge me. And I spoke out to raise me and because I felt quite moved. And we prayed into that. And we walked along, we prayed into that. And then I did that kind of thing that Mary does, is she held things in her heart. It says in the Bible, Mary treasured these things in her heart. I just held it in my heart. For over a year, I didn't tell anybody. 
And then in kind of August this year, I suddenly, it kind of came up again. I was, a few trigger points caused me to share this with the key leaders. And that's all I'd shared with. And then one of the trigger points was that I woke up. Um, one of the trigger points that woke up this kind of prophetic vision that God planted in me was a Facebook post. Unbelievably, sometimes Facebook can be positive. I know that's shocking. But sometimes um, Facebook be positive. And actually, as on a little aside, we have a call as, as God's people to sh- change their narrative on social media. Let's do that a bit more. And it was from Sue Salmon. And she wrote this on our, our prayer um, Facebook group. Those of you who remember TGI Kids Club, I'm holding on to the promises of God, trusting that children now becoming adults will remember the joy and peace they felt at the club. That as they journey through life, the commitment they made to God will be fulfilled because he is faithful and God won't let them go. Be encouraged, all of you, wonderful TGI team. Every prayer is a powerful weapon. Then she wrote, I went to a children's church, a children's group at a church and made a commitment, then drifted away until I was the age of 40. Let's continue to trust and to pray for all those hundreds of children whose lives were touched by Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I want to say thank you to Sue and to Dave for your faithfulness and holding on to God's promises. That triggered something in me that was an awakening. And what I want to explore is what does it mean for God to awaken his church and awaken his community? And I'll read a a very familiar passage from Ezekiel 37. Um, If you've got the Bibles or on on the phone or it'll be on the screen as well. Um, And it reminded me, when I was looking at this, it reminded me of a prophetic word that Rod Scott Cook brought to Ebby many years ago. Um, And it was this, he he said to us that when God breathes, then it brings structure and life. And you'll see this in this passage. It resonated to me back then, and not many things I remember for that long, and it resonates, the echo of that resonates now. So in in Ezekiel 37, it says this, in the message translation, God grabbed me. Yay. God's spirit took me up and set me down in the middle of an open plain strewn with bones. He led me around and among them a lot of bones. There were bones all over the plain, dry bones bleached by the sun. He said to me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, master God, only you know that. He said to me, prophesy over these bones, dry bones. Listen to the message of God. God the master told the dry bones, watch this, I'm bringing the breath of life so that you will come to life. I'll attach sinews to you, put meat on your bones, cover you with a skin and breathe life into you. You'll come alive and you'll realise that I am God. I prophesied just as I had been commanded. As I prophesied, there was a sound and, oh, a rustling. The bones moved and came together, bone to bone, a structure. I kept watching, sinos forms, I'm not even sure that's the right word, then muscles on the bones, then skin stretched over them, but they had no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, tell the breath, God the master says, come from the four winds, come breath, breathe 
on these slain bodies, breathed life. So I prophesied, just as he commanded me. The breath entered them, and they came alive. They stood up on their feet, a huge army. Ezekiel was taken to a valley of dry bones, a barren place where no life exists. And God asked Ezekiel a question, a question that is often on our lips. Can what lost be restored? Can we experience new life again? Can we forgive those who've hurt us, who've wounded us? Can we reconcile with those who've abandoned us? In our despair is there hope. In our brokenness is there restoration. In our separation is there a path home again. And this picture Ezekiel, from Ezekiel is God taking him from what was once dead and bringing him back to life again. It's a picture of Jesus, what Jesus has done on the cross. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit taking dry, broken bones, our lives, our dashed hopes, our failed dreams, our unachieved aspirations, and speaking life into them, bringing them together with a structure to raise up an army. That is some hope. God breathing individually so we become a huge army. God, would you awaken your church with that kind of refreshing? Breathe on us. I guess what I'm saying is to fulfill this vision of continually reproducing the life of Jesus, some of those specifics I've already mentioned, then we need to be a church that God breathes on, that is awoken by the breath of God. And there are, three way, there are many ways that we can press into that, but I want to just suggest three ways. It's not setting a roadmap, as I've already said, but it's three ways in our world um, that I feel that maybe God is wanting to awaken us in this church. Stirring up a longing for God to change us isn't a bad thing. And the first way is he wants to awaken his church with a fresh hunger and thirst for God. So knowing the depth of God's transforming word is the Bible and the power of the Holy Spirit to unlock reality, a transforming reality that will totally change our lives. Put it simply, he wants to awaken an appetite for himself, for God. And that means unravelling a lot of stuff, but it's saying, I need to know the depth of who you are more, but I need the power of the Holy Spirit to change me and transform me. But to also awaken his church, secondly, with a prophetic voice. What do I mean that? Often we think of, we talk about that and we think of everything that is in our world. The church should be a prophetic voice to the world. But we need to receive that ourselves within our church. Unlocking a prophetic voice means to encourage, edify, build up the church. The church needs, as I already hinted, needs to model good news, hope-saturated narrative that spills out into society. But we need to do that amongst ourselves. And God needs to, we want God to awaken that in us. So it spills out naturally. It's not something we force out for our world, but it's a narrative within our church, a prophetic narrative that's saying, 
I want to encourage, I want to build up, I want to edify each other. And the third thing around awakening his church is awakening his church with a new season. The season of the last six months, as we all know, and we're all in the middle of this still, has been a roller coaster. As a church, I would suggest we've had to learn a new posture of worship. How much have we relied on gathered church? Something that we're learning, and maybe we haven't got there yet, but we're learning what is our posture of worship. David in the psalm seems to be pretty good at this. I was reading um, in Psalm 57. David is hiding in a cave, fearing his life, so kind of rock bottom kind of part of life. And he pens these words in Psalm 57, verse 8. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awake in the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing you among the peoples. For great is your love, reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. David seemed to know, knew, and grapple with what posture of worship meant to awake his soul. Now, if you take that into our church, into our culture, it means not only are we just looking at ourselves, but we're looking out into the world. But so we ask that question, what is it like to change our posture of worship, to be awoken? But what does church look like? A lot of people are asking that question. What does church look like? This can be an opportunity, not a negative thing, to kind of, again, encourage, edify, build up, but also say, God, where are you putting us as a church? Where are you positioning us? Um, on Monday evening, we've got a, a church meeting um, where we're going to have opportunity to hear a little bit um, where we feel as, as, as leaders that maybe gathered church might be going. I want to encourage you to come along to that Zoom meeting. Um, it'll be an opportunity to um, look forward. God is leading us into a new season. And maybe the breath of God brings structure and life even new structure. As a slight aside, I was obviously thinking about being awake and asleep and, and, and looking at this, and I was doing a bit of research on, and came up with three characteristics of sleep. Now, see where you are, and some people here will, might injure me after this. You don't know you're asleep until you are awake. We've all done this, to lie down for a moment, to relax, only to find out that we've slept for a while. You do things in your sleep you would not do when you're awake. Our, I'm not going to give any examples, obviously. Our dreams prove this. And finally, we hate the sound of the alarm. How would you like to be awoken at 2am in the morning? Some of us don't even go to sleep by then. We resent being woken up. We want to sleep on. And I smiled as I read about these characteristics of what sleep can look like. But to awaken the church and to awaken the community, we physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritual, may respond in different ways. As we do with our own sleep, as we're thinking about what it means to be awoken, 
we're going to all respond very differently. I'm chucking that in just to help us think, how will we respond when God is saying, I want to awaken my church and awaken my community? At the start of this talk, I mentioned a story of Sue responding to those children who used to come to the TGI Kids Club. But there are also hundreds, if not thousands, of people who have connected with Ebby over decades who still live locally, who still live locally in Hawthorne, Lockley, Filton, Southmeads, Westbury on Trim, even over to Blaze, across communities in North Bristol. So the vision here is that this is God's community. This is God's city. And we're saying to God, will you awaken your community? Seeds have been sown in words and actions for all those years. But sometimes it feels like the ground is dry. And as Esther shared this back in a while back, in when we were looking at Elijah, um, about Elijah prophesied in 1 Kings 18, I hear the sound of heavy rain. The ground was dry. There are seas in our community that need to be woken up, need to have refreshment, need to have the water soaking in the land. There needs to be persistence and perseverance. Not kind of things that are culturally go down very well nowadays, being persistent or persevering. The grass is always greener somewhere else. We're always wowed by the new thing. Perseverance is boring. Perseverance is boring. But God is saying, I want to awaken my community, his community. What does that look like? He wants to awaken his community as we persist in prayer. I said earlier, a few years ago, we said a year of prayer doesn't just finish. We need to continue to shape a culture of prayer. Isaiah 62 says, I have posted watchmen on the walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourself no rest and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her praise on the earth. There is no letting up on this. We need to pray that God would awaken his community. Praying for the seeds that have been sown over decades through kids clubs, through youth clubs, through a rendezvous parent and toddler group, through the noise, through loads of ways. We need to be praying that God would awaken those seeds. When I first came to Ebby, it was how many years ago? 28 years ago. Um, I was quite shy. That's a, that is a big understatement. Um, and I was dragged here by Chilean, who I used to live with literally around the corner. Uh, and I used to share a house with him, and he dragged me to be involved in this youth club, or a children's club, called Super Gang. And there I met two lads who were both fostered locally. And we invested a lot into them. In recent years, I've bumped into their foster dads, often at Tesco's. Um, I spend a lot of time at Tesco's. Um, <laughs> but I've, I've met this foster dad, and he's told me their painful journey. It is really heartbreaking to hear some of the stuff that they got involved in. They've been in and out of prison. But it's caused me to actually go, 
I could go, oh, that's sad. Or I could actually go, God, you sown something when those kids came here. I need to keep praying for them. I need to pray for that dad, That's that foster dad. Because God can still awaken seeds even in the deepest brokenness, in the biggest cracks in the dry ground, because the heavy rain's still coming. Nothing is impossible with God. If it can take dry bones and form an army, then nothing is impossible. So awaken his community as we persist in prayer. I want to call us to awaken his community as we intentionally share our lives. I don't know about you, but it feels ages ago that we're at 8 o'clock on a Thursday evening, we were stood on doorsteps, clapping. I mean, that even feels ages ago already. We clapped for a few minutes, and then we chatted to neighbours. It unlocked conversations. What is the legacy of that? Is the legacy that we have can still intentionally share our lives in our communities, wherever we live, whether it's locally here, whether wherever it is, with our people networks. But not just share our lives, but are we courageous enough and honest enough to have conversations about our faith and our walk with Jesus? That's my challenge to myself, to our church. Are we intentional about sharing the whole of our lives? And I say that, and I reckon the super extroverts go, yeah! And the rest of us squirm, pull out a million reasons why that's not for me. That's, I could give you a list, and I could be all night on that. Seeing people come to know Jesus has to be intentional. It's a distinctiveness about us as church, that we love Jesus and we want others to love and be in a relationship with Jesus too. So the call is, are we awakening his community by intentionally sharing our lives? And finally, are we awakening his community to see holistic transformation? I come back to Jesus, because his model, which he shared with his disciples, or maybe it's better called apprentices, who are following him, is about seeing people come into the wholeness of God and wholeness of who he created them to be. And that was what spilled out into communities. We write, read right through the New Testament. Under great persecution, where the church was scattered and hidden, there was growth as people came to know Jesus. They shared their whole lives. Communities were transformed. Cities were transformed. It had a global ripple effect. It was never just a private faith. It was never just a private faith. Even amongst all the threats, it was never just my private thing. We see that the secret church, even now around the world, some of the most growth of people coming to faith is where the church is most persecuted and hidden. That sounds upside down to me. And I bring it back to Jesus, where Jesus, his own manifesto, to see holistic transformation, was Luke 4. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim this is the Lord's favour. 
Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. Everyone's eyes were on him, fastened upon him. And he began saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Can that be something that God is saying, I want to awaken my community to say, actually, I'm going to fulfill that in your hearing. This is what holistic transformation looks like. And as we close, I want to give us an opportunity here, but also wherever you are in your homes, wherever you're listening, if you're listening on a podcast in the car, I want to give you an opportunity, invite you for the Holy Spirit to come and breathe on us. But as we do, I'll throw in another word. I don't know whether to share this or not. But I think God is also, because I said it's about this together, he wants to connect us. What does that look like? How are we connecting? He wants to awaken his church and awaken his community, but he wants to do that together and he wants to connect us. Let that kind of land, let that kind of rumble in your head. And let's pray.